0: Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Today's show is a gift from me to me. What the hell does that mean? That's a very reasonable question, actually. What the hell does that mean? It means that uh, I had three play-by-play gigs over the weekend, so you can probably hear it. My voice is a little bit tired. Um... This is not a complaint, actually. I want to tell you guys kind of a very short, quick anecdote that I thought was slightly amusing. So I think most of you that have listened to this show a long time know that I am what you'd call like a semi-retired play-by-play broadcaster. I still do a few things in and around Los Angeles County. It's super fun. I It's a great way for me to kind of get out of the house and go watch sports. I do... Division 2 college basketball play-by-play, I do some Division 1 baseball play-by-play for colleges around where I live, so Loyola Marymount is kind enough to have me out a couple of times, USC is where I was over the weekend, Trojans, that one's a, a pretty cool feather in the cap, but you know, nothing like when I worked in the minors, when it was 140 games in 152 days, so my voice isn't really where it used to be. Doing this podcast every day is something, but, you know, talking for 45 minutes on a pod where I can actually pause the show if I need to take a drink of water or just let it run like this, and nobody can stop me. It's a little different than, you know, talking for like three hours straight with, yeah, there are commercial breaks in there, but it's it's a lot, and you got to get super excited Home runs, RBI, singles, defensive plays, whatever. You got to have that big range ready to go. So I went into the weekend thinking I, I was actually informed that there was a decent likelihood I would have an analyst on with me. Uh, and and a pretty good one. He's actually one of the student broadcasters over there. He's, he's, he's quite skilled. But I learned later in the week that said student broadcaster was, and gra- congratulations to him, by the way. And congratulations to all of the collegiate grads from this last weekend, wherever you may be. He graduated, and then wasn't feeling great for a couple of days. Uh, I do appreciate, if it actually was an illness, him not spreading them germies on me, because I get enough of that in my own house, but rolling solo, just like the old days, and uh, my voice is tired. So I thought about what I wanted to do today on the podcast, and I thought, well, my voice is tired, I'm tired, happy belated Mother's Day, by the way, to all of my listeners who have someone in their lives that has impacted them in a positive way, doesn't have to be a mother, grandmother, aunt, nanny, whatever it might be, I don't like to try to single it out, that's not cool, because some of us have lost mothers, I lost my father, Father's Day is a very hard holiday for me, even as a father myself, so I can certainly empathize with folks who find Mother's Day to be a difficult day. But hopefully there's someone in your life that, uh, that you were able to celebrate with. So happy Mother's Day. But also, I am freaking wiped, man. I am wiped. And we only had one playoff game between Saturday and Sunday. So it wasn't like I could while away the hours watching basketball. Now, uh, Friday was awesome as a Laker fan. Trounced them. And I thought, what better way... To bust into a new week, then talk about the playoffs a little bit because this is the first time where we've added we've we've had a day where not only are there no games happening today, but the only remaining series, the conference finals, uh, Heat Celtics, Lakers Nuggets, haven't started yet. So we actually have an opportunity to do a playoff reset for the first time in forever. Most of the time we come on these shows and there's like a game one night where one team is you know playing their game sixes and the other one is only on their game fives and everything's all sort of out of whack. And the Heat had finished up their series, but everybody else was still playing and the, or the Nuggets had finished theirs, I think was the way the last one went. Well, I want to talk about basketball today. And so today, and I'm sure I'm going to scare off half of the listeners right now, but you know what, I sort of don't care because it's the offseason and hopefully you guys will be back for tomorrow if you're not super into whatever I'm about to talk about. I don't want to spend the whole show talking about the sports betting element of it. We're going to handicap these series and that'll be, you know, at least part of it. But I just kind of want to talk about the basketball right now. Because there's a lot of the basketball happening right now. For one, we had news over the weekend. Yes, the Lakers finished off the Golden State Warriors, and, and Shams, within like 10 minutes of the series ending, came out with uh, an article about whether or not the Warriors are going to be able to keep their big three together, Steph, Clay, and Dre. Two of those three, by the way, have slowed considerably. It's Steph and the Steph airs now out in Golden State, and he... The greatness of Steph almost carried them through to the conference finals. That's how unbelievable he is. And and the amount of gravity that he has on a basketball court is, I would argue, number one in the NBA. I don't know that if the analytics bear that out. I didn't look at them. I'm sure that they would probably tell a different story. But just from a what can one player do to the way a defense has to play I can't imagine that there's a single player in the NBA that can impact a defense the way that Steph does. And and that I'm including Nikola Jokic in that regard, who I regard as the NBA MVP. Sorry, Joel. I know you got it this year, but that felt to me like Jokic got it twice, so they wanted to give it someplace else. And then, you know, the Sixers getting bounced with two opportunities to close out was very Doc Rivers of them. But look, I mean, whatever. We don't need to get it in an MVP discussion. The reason I say that is Jokic might have a larger impact on what his team does on offense, but I still don't think that, I don't think anybody in the NBA changes a defense the way that Steph does. If there's any evidence of that, it's that the Lakers had to do completely different things against the Warriors than they do against basically anybody else on earth. You'll see a very different set of schemes for the Lakers in this series because the Jamal Murray is uh, a very good point guard and you know he, he has a good pull-up jumper I think we I think I was reading that his, his pro pull-up jumper going to his left is very strong but his pull-up going to his right isn't as good he's certainly not as dangerous from 30 feet out as Steph is so you know the Lakers can play him a little bit more to the drive, and and presumably they'll work on keeping Anthony Davis a little bit closer to the rim, kind of the way that they do against most teams in the NBA. And then against the Warriors, the Lakers had to just blow up everything and get AD almost all the way out to the three-point line. And so you had, I mean, the Warriors, these the looks they were getting in the short roll was, they were crazy, because there was just no way for the Lakers to have someone back to deal with With the short roll. And so every possession was basically a four-on-three for the Warriors. Every possession. Because it took two defenders to stop Steph from shooting 27-foot three-pointers. And that was was a good enough offensive option for Golden State that teams wanted to take that away. They'd rather somebody else on the Warriors basically have a largely unfettered run to the free-throw line than let Steph take 27-footers slightly contested. That's the that's what he can do to a defense. And that's why everybody's like, well, the Warriors will figure it out in the playoffs because when the game slows down and they can just run Steph stuff. And they very nearly did. But the Lakers were a little bit too strong. One, too many options out there. LeBron finally had his kind of statement game in the Warriors series after frankly not playing all that well for most of that series. LeBron woke up 30 points on 14 shots. He got it going. AD was... Again, more of a rebounding defensive force in that game. Austin Reeves warmed back up again. D'Lo warmed back up again. And uh, Lakers pushed the Warriors out. And it does feel to me like the Warriors are going to have to shop somebody. But, I, I mean, if they're trying to pick between... Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter. And suddenly you realize... Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com today. Must be 21 plus. Not available in all locations. Jordan Poole and anybody else. You got to figure that Poole's the guy on the outside looking in. He had a horrible series. He and Draymond were, got in a fight before the season even started. And so now they look towards the future. And it's the first time. I mean, this stat was nuts. And I know you guys all saw it over the weekend. But it felt like we needed to repeat it on the podcast. It is the first time that a Steve Kerr led Warriors team had lost a playoff series in the Western Conference. The only losses they had suffered were in the finals to an Eastern Conference team. It's the first time that they had gotten to the playoffs, not the play in, the playoffs, and lost the series. It also snaps a streak of something like 20 odd consecutive playoff streaks where the Warriors had won a road game. They lost all three in Los Angeles. Uh, And so, yeah, everybody wants to jump to the conclusion that it's the end of a dynasty. Maybe. Maybe. They also ran into a buzzsaw. Lakers were a terrible matchup for the Warriors. Lakers are a very tough matchup for anybody in the playoffs because, uh, you know, Anthony Davis just makes scoring so much harder. But uh, there are a lot of teams that were floating around in the Western Conference Warriors, could have beaten playing a pretty similar series to the one they did. But Lakers just weren't it. Now... The Nuggets, who uh, steamrolled the Suns, and that was the thing, one of the things we talked about going into the playoffs was, like, the Suns were a team that you knew would slowly get better as the playoffs went on, but then they started getting hurt. DeAndre Aiden got hurt, Chris Paul got hurt, two starters down. Whatever shot they had in that series pretty much evaporated when those two guys were uh, lost to injury, but they weren't going to win anyway. Nuggets were the better team. Denver was just winning their home games. Maybe it went from a seven-game series to a six-game series, but regardless, the Nuggets were the better club there. And Monty Williams lost his job, which, you know, I get it. The Suns have had these runs, and there's been extremely high expectations, but, I don't know, it feels hard to put whatever's gone wrong for Phoenix on Monty Williams, what did he get, like a week to figure out how to build that team with Kevin Durant on it? That's a rough go, but they felt like they needed a new look, and and Matt Ishbia, the new owner of the Suns, he wants to put his stamp on everything. And you got to figure that Doc Rivers is probably gone. Maybe not, but another choke job in cl- two closeout opportunities, which is just sort of like his thing now. He's something like 14 games under 500 in opportunities to close out a series, and it's one of the worst records for a... a decorated playoff coach ever in closeout games. And when the dust settles, now you're talking about legitimately good teams with head coaching openings. The Bucks had the best damn record in basketball. Their coach got fired. The Suns, before all the injuries hit this year, or, and you can go back to the last season or whatever, the Suns have two of the best scorers in the NBA. Maybe... One of the best scorers in NBA history and Kevin Durant. They're open. The Raptors, who have a very good starting five and nobody else, their job is open. This is truly an offseason of a billion, well, high pressure. Probably need to add that to the mix. High pressure, but coveted coaching openings. feel like I'm forgetting somebody. Isn't Houston open there? Not exactly coveted, but open, nonetheless. Still open. And uh, the Pistons open, because Dwayne Casey moved into a front office role. Again, not really coveted, unless they get the first pick overall, but open. So let's talk a little bit about the playoffs and where we sit right now. I mean, I guess we are already, but the Heat had, uh, to no one's surprise really, finished off the Knicks. And then the Celtics with back-to-back wins down three to two. They sort of got tested. And we roll into the postseason now. Lakers at Nuggets is the first game. That's tomorrow. Heat at Celtics is on Wednesday. Nuggets favored by six. Total of game one is at 222.5. Series price, Denver minus 150, which is pretty close to where it opened. I think it opened at like minus 160, came down to about 140, and then it's sort of leveled off in between there. Lakers at plus 130 on the series price. Celtics minus two seventy on the series. Heat at plus two twenty. The game line is Heat uh, or Celtics. I should say minus eight, favored by eight. Total of two ten and a half. By the way, if I could just put this out there: if you happen to be listening to this podcast and you're trying to talk about sports betting, I know that you can call it the over/under, but if you want to sound like you've been doing this more than a week, call it the total. They're both accurate. But, you know, it's like when uh, if I used the same terminology for um, marijuana now that I did when I was in college, I would sound like the Steve Buscemi meme. You know, hello, fellow young children, or hello, young people, or whatever it is. What do you guys call this now? I just think it's funny that so many of the ESPN, Fox, whatever folks have been shoehorned into sports betting. So they're like, oh, the over-under is at 210. It's like, okay, yeah, that's 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 accurate. But you you just you're giving yourself away just a little bit. It's called the total. Betting aside, side, you bet in the total. It's not that tough. But unfortunately, they've surrounded themselves with other people who have no idea how this works. And so no one's there to actually steer these guys in the right direction. Every one of these sites probably has, like, one betting expert, and that guy, I'm sure, is just sitting in a chair somewhere, yanking out whatever hairs he has left after being a sports better for God knows how long, and going, why won't anybody listen to me? I love, don't get me wrong, I love that sports betting is becoming more prevalent. It allows me to talk about it a little bit more on the podcast, and hopefully at some point California will realize that you're not going to get a perfect damn proposition on the ballot Just take what they give you so we can bet on a damn sport without having to do so by like driving all the way to Las Vegas or going offshore. We have an opportunity. They're like, oh, well, you know, all the money from this proposition is going to go to FanDuel and they're not even based in California. I don't care. I just want to be able to bet. Let them get in the mix. Men, someone else maybe will start something up here. No one's starting a sports betting site in California while it's still illegal to bet in California. Get it together, you jerks! I don't want to. It's not perfect. Everybody's so obsessed with everything being perfect. Uh, perfection. What's the expression? Is the opposite of progress? Is that that? No, I think I messed that up a little bit. But it's something like that. Anyway, all right. Let's talk a little bit about the betting side, and then we can kind of loop back around to the reality side as we as we dig into each of these remaining series and you know what what becomes of. The teams that have been ousted so far. Nuggets. Minus six is, in my estimation, a pretty good line. This is, as we talked about in the last round, game one is where everybody kind of throws their fastball. Now, there's something to be said for the fact that the Lakers have, and likewise over on the Denver side, these teams saw a... You know, there are obviously personnel changes between these two teams in the bubble three years ago and this matchup right now. It's crazy but we're reliving the bubble, by the way. I think that's kind of hilarious. But I, I saw this flash across my Twitter timeline, and I'm too tired and lazy to like jump into somebody else's conversation. But... The uh, Someone tweeted that we're reliving the bubble, and then someone else was like, oh, there's only 14 players left on the four teams. Yeah, but which 14? Guy who wants to uh, cherry-pick a number and then not provide context. The key 14. Lakers still have LeBron and AD. Nuggets. Jokic, Jamal Murray. The main guys... On the, Jimmy Butler, Bam out of bio, Tatum and Brown. I think there are actually more on the Celtics. I feel like Boston has some of the most continuity there. Nuggets have some continuity as well, but not as much. He'd have a little bit. Lakers have the least. I think the Lakers really, I believe the Lakers only do have those two players left. But everything that each of those teams does, schematically, is built around the players that are still there from the bubble. You know, it's not like the Nuggets are there after retooling. Oh, we had to get rid of Nikola Jokic. No, it's still a Jokic-run team. It's still a Jokic-Jamal Murray two-man game that gets everybody else involved because of the advantages that those two guys create. The Lakers are still very much a LeBron and AD team. Yes, D'Angelo Russell gets involved. Uh, When he gets cooking, that's helpful. And Austin Reeves gets involved. And when he's cooking, that's helpful. And a, you know, one of the Lakers from that team is actually on the Nuggets now. That's KCP. But those are not the guys that the other team is scheming for. They're scheming for LeBron and AD. Lakers are scheming for Jamal and Jokic. Aaron Gordon is Jeremy Grant from that bubble team. Slightly better Defender. Maybe not quite as skilled on off. I mean, it's you know it's close. Poor free throw shooter. I don't even remember who the hell was was on that Nuggets team. KCP's a better fit. I'll give him that. Heat. That's still the same kind of crap with that club. They try to floor space around Bam and Jimmy. Celtics. They've got their two horses at the front of the pack. It's the same. It's the same. Everything these teams do is built around the guys that are still there from the bubble. And everything that the opponents are doing is built around those same guys from the bubble. So yeah, roster turnover exists. Maybe a lot of it. But not the main guys. So all that to say that this Lakers-Nuggets series, I think you're going to see these two teams do something somewhat similar to what they did in the bubble. The Nuggets are going to rely heavily on Jokic and Jamal Murray. The Lakers are going to rely heavily on, well, you saw a lot of, like, double drag type stuff. That's what they've been running. LeBron is, is slower now, so you'll probably see less of him and more of Anthony Davis. And then defensively, you'll see the Lakers probably try to let Anthony Davis deal with Jokic as best he can. They don't want him to get into foul trouble. But he, among anyone in the NBA, has a half-decent chance to slow down. You're never going to stop Jokic. He's too damn good, but slow him down a little bit, but they'll run that pick and roll. They'll force the Lakers to decide whether or not they want to switch it. Lakers will probably try to do something similar to what they did with everybody on golden state. That wasn't Steph, which is like a high drop. Try not to let Jokic get into the middle of the floor if they can. Cause if he gets hit on a short roll, he's just going to destroy you. And then, you know, the heat and the Celtic, they're going to do whatever they've done in the past. So, when I talk about teams throwing their fastball, I just kind of mean that, like, it's the feel-out game. It's not going to be a game of massive adjustments at halftime. It's going to be who wears the other one down. Do the Lakers come out? They've been good in Game 1s on the road in these playoffs so far. Nuggets have been just outstanding pretty much nightly, especially at home. And so, I don't know about the side all that much. I think, it, I think this is a game that probably stays relatively close Throughout, you'll see some runs because the Nuggets are not as good defensively as some of the teams the Lakers have seen so far. The Lakers are better defensively, but probably not as good offensively as a team like the Suns that the Nuggets just came off of. But in Game 1s, you do tend to see the scores rise a little bit quicker. Teams get what they want a bit more, and then everybody's got all the data. You know, Lakers will go back to their room the nuggets will go back to theirs they'll say okay what did this team run a lot of in game one what were they doing what did they find because the teams will sort of try a bunch of stuff they'll see which thing is the one that sticks and then they'll run it a bunch they'll get a bunch of good looks out of it and you'll see the score kind of run up so i tend to look at the over in game one of a series and then i start to kind of work the opposite direction not a big fan of the side uh i think if i was going to look at the side i would probably lean nuggets just because of how good they've been at home, but I don't like it. Please take that as the main thing here. I don't like the side in this game. I would lean more to the total and probably to the over. And then as the series price goes, I think Denver probably wins game one. So if you like the Lakers to win the series, I probably wait until game two. You'll see little tweaks, things like that. Do they throw Jared Vanderbilt back in there to deal with Someone like an Aaron Gordon. Lakers went very small late against the Warriors because Vanderbilt just, they could, you know, they didn't pay him any attention at the other end of the floor. And then defensively, he didn't serve the same purpose. Um, He's been pretty good as sort of like the on ball guy. Did they put him on Jamal Murray and tell Vanderbilt to navigate a Jokic screen? I don't know. That didn't go all that great in the last round. Screen navigation is not really his best skill, especially if the player can shoot. So we shall see. And again, that's why this is sort of the feel-out game. Meanwhile, Miami-Boston, I like Miami in Game 1. I know the Celtics got Monday and Tuesday off. Sometimes a team after a Game 7 only gets one day, and then it's like an auto-fade situation for me. But Miami wrapped things up on Friday. They're off Friday to Wednesday. That is a huge rest advantage in the playoffs when you are just getting completely I mean like the energy expenditure in these playoff series is nuts so Boston had to go seven with Philly I know that last ball game didn't end up being like the toughest game they played all year long but it reminded me a lot actually of the the Warriors game seven win over the Kings, but Boston did it at home. Tatum came out. He finally had his massive ball game. They were just like clicking on all cylinders, but they still had to play big minutes. They didn't want to take it for granted. Tatum played 42 minutes in that ball game. So I would expect the Celtics to have a little rest disadvantage here, even with the two days off. And I like the Heat catching eight points in that first ball game. They've had more time to prep. They've had more time to rest. What I don't know is what does that mean for the total? I just, I don't have no idea what the total is going to represent in this game. If Boston really is a little bit fatigued, I would lean to the over in that ball game as well. So I have three kind of okay leans on these playoff series. Lakers Nuggets over in the first one, Heat and the over in the second one. That's again on Wednesday. And then as series prices goes, uh, I like, You know, again, this would be if you're just trying to set something up. Because I do think ultimately Boston probably does win this series. But I think you'd get a better price on Boston if you wait through game one. Now, if they win it, you just leave it alone. I just think there's an opportunity where Miami could steal a game and you could see this thing come down to Boston like minus 130, 140 kind of deal. Uh, And then that would be worthwhile. Or if you want to just try to set up like a $20 middle, you could take the heat at plus 220, and then take the Celtics after the first one. But again, like, if you just want to take the Heat plus the points in the first game and make that the play on that series, I'm fine with that as well. I'm so excited. Guys, how good have these playoffs been? I'm just like, that's why I wanted to do a show like this one today. We haven't done a show where I just got to talk about the basketball. I felt like we all deserved it. It's been a blast, man. It's been a blast, and... The other side of it is that because there's been so much parity, I feel like because teams were hoping to win and then lost, you're also getting these axes, these guillotines coming down on coaches. They're falling, man. The guillotines are coming down. Hey, guys, this is a wide open race right now, and you are blowing your chance. So moving on. And the last thing we got to talk about on today's show and I hope I this is not my favorite thing to talk about and frankly I don't really know that I have the best way to present it but John Morant was once again again what's going on with my voice today once again seen in an IG live post possibly holding a firearm and if indeed that the NBA's investigation proves that in, that that happened Woj has already come out to say that Ja would be facing a significant suspension. And so, look, I, I don't want to get into the legality side of this because I don't actually understand that part. I do want to address this idea of like, oh, well, he didn't do anything wrong. Okay, there is a difference, people, between legal and right. John Morant is... A very well-paid employee of the NBA, and if they're if they're like Ja, you are representing us out in the public space, and the NBA brand relies on all of its biggest faces and stars to go out there and make good publicity. The NBA can do whatever the hell they want here, even if at the end of all this, it's like oh well, you know, whatever he was doing was fully legal. Uh, it, sure. You can say something fully legal on Twitter and you can lose your job for it. He may be paid a lot more than me or you. But he is still subject to a lot of the same rules. You could do things that are not illegal that can still get you in a lot of trouble with your job. And that's what this is sitting on right now. So forget the legality side of it. Is what Ja is doing good or... Or bad for the NBA brand? That's a really easy question to answer. It's awful for the NBA brand. They don't want that. They don't want one of their players brandishing a firearm. The NBA has gone to extraordinary lengths to place themselves in a lot of the societal discussions that we've had really since 2020 has been this big ramp up. And then everybody's like, oh, that's why nobody's watching the playoffs. No, nobody's watching the playoffs because we were all freaking dying from COVID and we couldn't deal with anything in the world. Everybody's watching them again. Three years later, the audience is back, people. The NBA doesn't need one of its fresh faces, its young stars to be... Creating bad publicity. It's as simple as that. Good publicity? Great. Bad publicity? You're getting in trouble. And the first time, he kind of got away with a slap on the wrist. There was a whole time served thing. Remember, Grizzlies suspended him quickly. They're like, oh, we will just... Well, let's get in front of this so the NBA doesn't hand down anything heavy. Friends, the NBA's handing down something heavy for this one. We don't know what it's going to be, but it's going to be a big deal. And so the Grizzlies, who were frankly rubbing teams the wrong way. They had that <laughs> they had that like Lob City Clippers vibe, but like even less. Even even more kind of snar- like a snarling version of the Lob City Clippers. The Lob City Clippers strutted around like they had already won the title, but all they had done was throw a lot of lobs. At least they were fun. Grizzlies went from fun like two years ago to this year kind of, like, villainous. And it wasn't just Dylan Brooks, because they're trying to pin everything on poor Dylan Brooks, who I kind of feel bad for these days. It's not all Dylan. Grizzlies are another team that's kind of acting like they've they've done something. And they have done something. They've been a good regular season team, but that's that's as far as it's gone right now. It's hard to be a team that gets a target on its back without being a championship team. Somehow they managed to pull that off. They really made their own path harder as a result. And now they've really made their own path harder. Their superstars likely to receive a significant suspension next year. The whole, like, how did Dylan Brooks exit thing was ugly. I was watching the Grizzlies-Lakers series, and there were long stretches where I kept asking myself, and I almost just put the tweet out, but then I thought, nah, Dan, you're going to get in trouble for hot taking. The tweet was going to be, is Desmond Bain the best player on the Grizzlies? I think he might be now. They... uh JJJ is going to need to be the leader of that team because he's at the forefront of all of the good publicity for the NBA. I think he's one of the finalists for, what's the the Social, active, uh, social Activity Award? They announced the finalists for that. It's like uh, JJJ and Chris Paul and a couple of the folks. Steph Curry's in there. I'm forgetting a couple. I'm really sorry to the players. I'm forgetting. But uh, that was announced, I think, this morning or yesterday. These are the guys that are doing the most work in the community. Stark juxtaposition here. So uh, congratulations, JJJ. The Grizzlies are now your team going forward. Or, you know, maybe Desmond Bain. You know who would be really useful to have if job gets suspended for half a season? DeAnthony Melton. Wonder what he's up to these days. But I digress. But that's the point of today's show. Happy Digression Monday, everyone. This was fun for me. I like to just talk about basketball every once in a while. It doesn't have to be so fantasy-centric. And I know someone out there is going to be like, screw you, Dan. You did one show that wasn't about fantasy. One star. But I beg you, don't do it, because I'll be talking about fantasy again tomorrow. It's the off season. I just needed a break from fantasy for a day, you know? We went from the last day of the regular season right into talking about how fantasy sports could impact the future of fantasy sports when there were no fantasy sports <laughs> happening. <laughs> oh, man. I learned early on doing this show that you just you have to do fantasy sports every day on a show called Fantasy NBA Today. But then this morning I thought, screw that! Anybody that's still insane enough to be hanging out with me, us, here on Fantasy NBA Today during the offseason... Probably doesn't really care what I'm talking about. Don't worry, though, guys. We'll talk about fantasy almost every other day this offseason. We'll do the season win totals week in August like we always do. You guys should pay attention to that. We crushed them again this year. There was one season where I did not do as well, and I think it was last year when nobody knew anything that was going on. Anyway, it'll be a fantasy almost every single day, but not today. And uh, so apologies if you didn't like it. Um, You're welcome if you did. I liked it, and ultimately, isn't that the only thing that matters, said Narcissist, Narcissus Espris. Dan Narcissus Espris. What's coming up tonight? Nothing. No ball games tonight. Go watch some baseball. We'll talk fantasy basketball tomorrow. I'm Dan Vespers for Fantasy NBA Today, or today, uh, hold the fantasy. Let's make it a good week, everyone. See you tomorrow.